0: Welcome again to a Sunday morning at Lake Forest Davidson, virtually. Good to have you with us. My name is Gray. I'm one of the pastors on staff here. <clears throat> um, uh, Kennedy read for us the passage from Genesis, from uh, Galatians 5 a few moments ago where Paul tells us about the, the fruit of the Spirit. And we've been in the middle of a series on the fruit of the Spirit. And again, Paul tells us that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And today we're going to be looking at goodness. Um, And as we've seen in the past couple months as we've been in this series, uh, the the fruit of the Spirit there, it's not simply a way that the Holy Spirit comes in and changes our behavior, uh, but it's the way the Holy Spirit comes and changes our our character. And these areas of our life that used to be uh, ruled and marked by our fallen uh, human nature are transformed and are reflective of God's, Uh, great character. And today, again, we're looking at goodness, and we're going to look at a passage in the Gospel of John, which is the fourth gospel in your Bible, um, where Jesus tells us a little bit about goodness. And so again, this is from John chapter 10, verses 11 through 15, and I'll read this um, for us now. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. So we have three points this morning about goodness, three characteristics about goodness that we'll we'll draw from this passage. And we'll we'll get right into it. The, The first one is that goodness is sacrificial. I mean, goodness is sacrificial. And we draw this from verse 11, again, where Jesus tells us, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. So the first character we meet in this passage is the good shepherd. And the question uh, immediately is, well, what makes the shepherd good? And Jesus tells us that in what he says. What makes the shepherd good is that he lays down his life for the sheep. Uh, What is good is this sacrificial love that the the shepherd has for his sheep. And laying down his life, the shepherd shows us that that he is putting the well-being of the sheep above his own well-being. And a lot of times as, as we think about what goodness looks like in our lives as we strive to be good, uh, this often doesn't mean we're laying down our life and dying, but a lot of times it means that we're laying down the desires we have, the ways that we would like to see things go, um, our own agendas, again, the, the way we want our life to play out. And a lot of times, goodness, doing the good thing, uh, is uncomfortable or undesirable or unpopular or things that we don't want to do. Uh, there's a, a a quick story to illustrate this I wanted to tell you. Uh, this one's pretty light, and um, then I'll follow it up with one a little more serious. But... Uh, but this past spring, I got a, uh, or it was probably late fall, winter, I got a spider bite. got a spider bite and, of course, it got infected. And so I had to go to the doctor. And you know when you go to the doctor, they, they measure you. They measure your height, put you on a scale, take your blood pressure, temperature, and all this. And so I go in and I, uh, I stepped on the scale. And uh, it was a, the highest number I've ever seen uh, for my weight, not the highest number I've ever seen. But the highest number I've ever seen myself weigh. So I was like, dang, this is rough. Uh, and uh, and so then you know when you walk out of the doctor's office, they hand you your little visit summary, and it has like a summary of the visit and all the all the measurables and stuff too. And I saw BMI on there, and there's this BMI number, and I was like, huh, uh, I don't know what this number means. So when I went out, I looked up on my phone, I'm like what is what does a 29.94 BMI mean? I learned that uh, 30 is when you go from being overweight to obese, and so I was I realized that uh, as my weight had been climbing over the past couple years that I was teetering on the edge of uh, obesity. And uh, and I, it's okay if you're laughing, um, but, uh, but 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 the, the serious point is, I was like, man, I'm about to turn 30. I'm slowly gaining weight. Um, I, I kind of need to stop this, both for, for my sake and my health, but so like, I have a daughter now and would love to not die of a heart attack when I'm 50 or something like that. So I went home, I told Annika, I was like, Annika, Annika's my wife. I was like, Annika, I gotta lose... I got to lose some weight. I got to slow the roll here. And, uh, and so, yeah, pun intended, but, uh, and so, and so she was like, all right, let's do it. And if you know Annika, one of the things you know about Annika is she loves baking. She loves, she'll bake something probably once or twice a week. So it was big cookies, pies, uh, things like that. And when she bakes those, I really have a hard time not eating them. And so this spring, as I was again, trying to lose weight, um, she stopped baking. Uh, which again feels like a light example, but it was a way she laid down what she wanted, what she would have liked to do um, for my well being and so I, I view that as a good thing. A little more serious of an example is uh I know many of us have have ourselves or have seen uh, like a friend start going down the wrong path or uh, get themselves in into a bad spot or be headed in the wrong direction, or maybe you you see them acting in a way that's not that's not the them that you knew. And a lot of times, uh, friends will kind of distance themselves and just back off in this circumstance, but uh, a good friend is the friend who goes and has the hard conversation and tells the person that you know, they kind of need to change things or else a lot of things are going to start falling apart for them. And this is not a, a conversation anyone likes, ha- anyone likes having. Uh, a lot of people value again their own comfort or their own tranquility or the peace of that friendship uh, over the the well being of another, uh, but again, the good friend uh, values the well being of another friend over the uh, the ease or the desires they may have uh, to kind of keep the status quo and so both of those situations again are uh, are good things and uh, and so from this. The definition I have for goodness today is that goodness is living beyond yourself. Goodness is living beyond yourself. So you're not just living for yourself. You're living uh, in laying down your desires for the good of another. Again, sacrificial love that we see from the Good Shepherd. So that's our first point. Goodness is sacrificial. Uh, We're going to move right along. second point is that goodness is revealed in difficulty. Goodness is revealed in difficulty. And we see this in verse 12 and 13, which read: He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. Goodness is revealed in difficulty. So in in these two verses, we meet the second character in the passage, the hired hand. And we learn that the hired hand is not a good shepherd. Uh, The hired hand uh, does not lay down his life for the sheep, but he sees the wolf coming and he leaves the sheep. He takes off. And the hired hand is primarily driven by self-preservation. The hired hand is driven by what works well for him. And so if you have goodness as living beyond yourself, the hired hand, you could say, is living for yourself. Uh, and, And goodness, the thing about goodness, is it reveals itself when the wolves come. It reveals itself when the difficulty arises, because on a, a normal day out in the pasture with the sheep, the hired hand and the good shepherd look exactly the same. They're both doing the same thing. You don't find out who's who until the wolf comes. I had a, uh, a friend in college whose uncle, a, a big scandal broke out. He was a somewhat prominent person. Uh, big scandal broke out where he had, he had been caught with, uh, inappropriate photos of underage, uh, people on his computer. And uh, there aren't many things in our society that are universally viewed as despicable, uh, but that is one of them. And, and so as this all broke out, his life, uh, which had been spiraling, started to completely fall apart. And his wife wanted to get a divorce. Uh, his kids were disgusted. Uh, many of his friends distanced themselves, uh, disowned what he did, but also disowned him as a person and uh, and wanted to protect themselves by not being associated with this person because there was a thought that, oh, if, you, if you're still hanging around him, then that somehow means you're endorsing what he did or that you think it's okay or you're not taking it seriously or something like that. So he saw everyone in his life head to the door. Uh, but one of the people who didn't was my friend's dad, so this guy's brother he was one of the few people that moved towards this man when everyone else uh, was running away Uh, and as a father of a daughter i put myself in that situation and that would i can see how that would be be hard for me to do i'd be hard to join the masses fleeing and condemning Uh, but when i thought about what my friend's dad did it, it sounded an awful lot like jesus who would associate himself and move towards people who the respectable public wanted to distance themselves from and wanted to make it known that they were not associating with. And so I I've always remembered that and thought that that was a good thing, um, that my friend's dad did. Uh, he, he laid down, uh, his life and risked the negative attention that could come with moving towards someone like that. I mean, and I think he revealed himself as a, uh, a good friend in a very difficult time. So as I said, uh, you find out what you're made of when the wolves come Uh, because we see when it's not in a lot of people's self-interest to be there a lot of people head for the door a lot of people are gone so those are our first two points Uh, one is that goodness is sacrificial two goodness is revealed in difficulty and three last is uh goodness is reliant on the spirit and we pull this from verses 14 and 15 Which reads, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. So the sheep know the shepherd. They know the shepherd's voice and they've learned to follow that voice. Uh, And and the shepherd knows all of the sheep. And if one of the sheep goes missing, he will go and find that sheep. And so there's this very tight relationship between the shepherd and the sheep. And the shepherd can lay down his life because of this relationship. Uh, Because his entire life are these sheep. That's what he lives for. That's what he does every day. That's where his uh, future uh, security lays. His entire life is this sheep. And the sheep can grow because of the shepherd. They know that the the shepherd is protecting them. The shepherd is there. The shepherd is guiding them. And that they can trust his voice uh, wherever it leads. And so there's this connectedness. There's this reliance of the sheep on the shepherd. Again, that allows them to grow, and that was important to me as I was thinking about how we grow in goodness. Uh, is that we have to rely on this relationship between us and the Good Shepherd. Uh, this past February, uh, as the coronavirus stuff was starting to break out, I I got six tomato plants to put in my backyard because I figured once the uh, government collapsed and grocery stores ran out of food, and then it'd be nice to have some tomatoes to eat, and that we would have, you know, ketchup one night and pasta sauce the next night, and, um, but i about mostly kidding, um, but I uh, got these six tomatoes and put them in pots, they were cherry tomatoes, and so I figured small tomato, small plant, not true, um, Got the, put them in a pot and got the cages, you know, you got to get a tomato cage because tomato plants are kind of leggy. And they'll, as you start to get tomatoes on them, they'll, they'll like, you know, uh, break themselves. And so you got to get the cages. So I got a small, I got a pot, got a small cage, and set them up. And they were good to go for a while. But man, they kept growing. They grew and grew and grew to the point where they were like twice as tall as the cage, and still growing. So I was like, man, this is kind of a, a fork in the road moment where, if it's never a good idea to try to put a new cage on a, a large tomato plant, um, but I was like, if I'm going to do it it has to be now. And so I went and bought some big cages and decided I got to plant these in the ground too. Um, I promise this is going somewhere. And so I I fed the plant through the new cages and put them in the ground, six of them. But on one of them, I, I crimped and kind of like broke one of the main stalks, which was a huge bummer. Um, And so it was crimped and it broke uh, and everything looked the same, but I knew that Life for that stalk was over. And the sad thing was, on on that stalk, there were already some green tomatoes. And those green tomatoes, they weren't going to die, but they were done growing. There was no more growing that was going to happen to those tomatoes. There were flowers at the top that uh, were going to turn into tomatoes, but they were no longer going to turn into tomatoes. That entire branch was dead, and over the the following days, it was going to dry up and die, and no more fruit was going to come from it. And and as I saw that play out, I I was reminded of, of John 15... Uh, where Jesus tells us, I am the vine. And again, it seemed particularly uh, striking when we think about how to grow in goodness. Uh, Because in John 15, verses 4 and 5, Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For, For apart from me, you can do nothing. Abide me and I in you, as a branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. So the key there is, is staying connected to the vine and these, I don't have to tell you these last couple of weeks have been heavy and difficult, um, and painful, especially for, uh, our black brothers and sisters, uh, as we've tried to navigate how to handle, uh, all this turmoil. And, uh, It's also been hard, um, for the whole country, you know, um, and, and I know many of us have been myself included trying to figure out what to do or how to bring goodness in some way in a time like this. Um, and as I was reading through that John 15 passage about the vine, um, I found myself asking, uh, what have I been relying on as I seek to figure out what to do, uh, as I seek to figure out what to think or how to act? Uh, what have I been connecting to? What have I been relying on? And I found that I, I had spent more time and more energy relying on the news, on the internet, uh, on podcasts, on talking heads, on social media, than I, than I have Jesus, than I have scripture, than I have the vine. And my attitude and outlook has been uh, reflective of that. And so this verse from Lamentations that I kind of just stumbled across this week has reframed a lot for me. And it's Lamentations 3.40 and it says, Let us carefully examine our ways and test them and let us return to the Lord. Let us carefully examine our ways and test them and let us return to the Lord. To the Lord um, Lamentations 340 and here we we need there need to be conversations there need to be actions things need to be done I'm certainly not advocating that we all go sit in our rooms and think about things for a month but uh, but we do need to make sure we are relying on the vine that we're connected to the vine that, that we're hearing first and foremost from the Holy Spirit more than we're hearing from news outlets or social media. Because because if we're not, we're gonna here's what's gonna happen. We're gonna be trying to draw goodness out of frustration, we're gonna be trying to draw goodness out of anger, we're gonna be trying to draw goodness out of a, a desire for things to go back to normal. We're gonna be drawing goodness out of a desire again for the status quo or a desire to run away or not have to deal with things. And and no goodness is coming from that. And so we need to to be hearing from the Holy Spirit and we need to ask the Holy Spirit uh, to speak to us and to reveal to us any, uh, any seeds of hatred in our heart, uh, any biases we might have about people because of how they look, uh, because it's hard for goodness to grow alongside those things. And we can start there and we ask the Holy Spirit to take those and redeem those And grow goodness in us that the Holy Spirit can use to go and and share in our community. And so coming back to to goodness as our definition of living beyond yourself, there are kind of two meanings of that. Yes, you have the sacrificial love component where goodness is living for people outside of yourself. But also, uh, the Holy Spirit allows goodness to to live beyond ourselves, beyond our own innate goodness, beyond our own abilities. We can live uh, empowered by the Holy Spirit and be able to have an impact beyond ourselves. And so lastly, uh, I, I I really struggled this week to try and make things practical um, to answer the question of how do we grow in goodness? Uh, what do we do um, to become more like the good shepherd is essentially the question, you know? And... uh I wrote and rewrote and everything was off the mark and uh, I really believe we have to go back to the the gospel. Uh, John Perkins in his book, uh, Let Justice Roll Down wrote that that true Christian change is like an oak tree um, where in the spring new life comes and, and pushes out the old and old kind of hanging on dead leaves are pushed out by the new. And so I really believe if we're going to change, if goodness is going to grow in us, it's not going to be from us tacking on things uh, to the, the broken parts of us. It's going to be from new life coming uh, from within us. And that only comes from the gospel. And, and before we have to remember, again, the gospel that we before we were ever shepherds, that we're sheep, um, that that before we ever led anyone, uh, we were being led. And if we're leading someone now, we better be being led. That, good, that God's goodness uh, does not originate in us, uh, that we received long before we ever gave anyone anything. We have to remember that we are all sheep who at some point uh, wandered far from home. It, what began as a little journey turned into a, a long trek where we, we one day looked up and found ourselves uh, in a place we didn't recognize, uh, found ourselves in a place without hope, uh, we found ourselves in a place of uh, isolation, and we found ourselves afraid. Some of us might find ourselves there today, but at some point each of us heard a voice calling our name, and that voice began as a distant whisper, but it it grew closer, and we realized it was the Good Shepherd coming, and the Good Shepherd picked each of us up and carried us home. That's all of our story, and we have to know that that's our story. Before We have to know that before we ever set out to do goodness to somebody else, we must never forget that a great goodness was first done to us. And before we ever sacrifice for someone else that someone first did a great sacrifice for us. We have to remember that, that God entered this a divided and conflict-torn world uh, 2,000 years ago in the man of Jesus Christ, and he lived the, of the perfect life, um, but was, was tried in a crooked trial, was executed, uh, and in that death, he bore the cost, he bore the weight of our sins, he bore the weight of the sins of the world. He bore the, the weight of all the many ways we have chosen to be the hired hand, all the many ways we have chosen ourselves over other people. He he bore the, the weight of the sins of how we've chosen evil over goodness, how we've chosen death over life. And as he was buried, all that was buried with him. But three days later, he rose from the dead. And in that rising, he he reminded and, and announced to, to us all into the world, That goodness has and will triumph over evil. That life has and will triumph over death. And that's the gospel. That's the good news. Uh, And goodness comes from there. Goodness comes from the good news. But uh, the thing I've just been unable to escape from these past couple weeks is that without the gospel, we really don't have anything. Without the gospel, we're lost. Without the gospel, we're just a bunch of hired hands uh, out there looking to save our own skin and get ours. So again, the the question, what do we do? uh, Today and every day, uh, we need to follow Christ. We need to follow the voice of the good shepherd uh, because when we draw our goodness from the goodness of God, while we may... Uh, not know the right words to say, or while we might stumble through through what we tell someone, or we might make the wrong decision about what to do, or again stumble over our words. We, if we're following the voice of the Good Shepherd, again we know that in the midst of that stumbling, uh, goodness will be done, and that the Holy Spirit will bear the fruit of goodness in your life uh, and from your life. So please pray. With me before we uh, bef- before I start praying I'll, I'm going to give about 30 seconds for each of us to, to talk to God to, to pray uh, and maybe today you're asking for something maybe today you're just listening uh, but we'll take about 30 seconds to talk to God and, uh, and then I'll, I'll close us from there Lord, uh, we have found ourselves uh, as sheep, um, often afraid and unsure of what to do and worried about the dangers of, uh, of what might be out there. Help us hear your voice. Help us recognize your voice uh, and follow you. Help us begin there. Lord, uh, I ask that you, you grow goodness in each of us, that you uh, do the surgery on our hearts that, that we need, and that you, uh, you grow goodness in us, um, and that you use the church uh, as a source of unity in a divided world. We thank you for the ways uh, you've done this already, and we, we trust in you and only you as a way forward. In your son's name, amen.